What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Andrew Gazdecki at MicroAcquire. MicroAcquire has become the marketplace for startup M&A and since launching a year ago, it's already helped facilitate 500 plus exits through its platform. Andrew's built up a brand as one of the most liked people within tech and we had a ton of fun picking his brain on a number of different topics. In this talk, we discuss how the traditional M&A process puts startups at a disadvantage, media portraying the wrong image of entrepreneurship and replacing traditional gatekeepers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everybody, welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. We have a super dope founder slash community platform provider slash just dope human with a dope hat on. Y'all can't see it, but oh well. And and a super fire smile, by the way. With that said, yo, welcome Andrew from Michael Choir. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. Yeah. We appreciate you, and a lot of founders do. You put a lot of money in a lot of people's pockets. That said, how about you give us a quick background of who you are, how you got to where you are, and uh, maybe like 10 seconds on what you do, but don't spoil too much so we can get into it in the, in the flow. Yeah, been an entrepreneur my whole life. My name is Andrew Gazdecki. I was born in Detroit, moved to a beautiful town called San Clemente when I was uh, younger, so I grew up in SoCal. So love to surf. Some fun facts about me. If you Google my name on YouTube, I started like a skateboard petition because my principal wouldn't let me ride my skateboard to school. And it was on all these news channels and stuff. So I was, I was sponsored for skateboarding, which was pretty cool. I was that little kid that could do like a kickflip indie over you. And then, yeah, just fell in love with business at a very young age. Started multiple businesses. Lots of them didn't work out, learned from all of them, mostly known for MicroAcquire at the moment, which is a marketplace for startups to meet buyers and get acquired completely free. And prior to that, I bootstrapped a company called Business Apps, which is like a no-code mobile app builder to about 10 million in revenue. And then I sold that to a private equity group when I was 29. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks, man. A very exciting life. Give us a quick overview of today. Yeah. So MicroAcquire is a marketplace where you can instantly get free access to over 100,000 vetted startup buyers. So the idea kind of came to me after selling business apps. And then after that, I started a blockchain trading company, which was also acquired. And what I realized is founders and entrepreneurs like have no idea how to get acquired the options when you have a smaller business are pretty limited you can work with a broker or you can use like craigslist there's some other marketplaces some bigger ones where there's not a lot of trust lots of scams and so i thought you know let's make something for startups with the startup community 
and then I just built it with kind of what I would want in terms of like if I was really going to put my company on a marketplace to meet buyers what are those requirements to me that's you know privacy it's the ability to chat with people before granting them access to any sort of private or sensitive details and then low friction too like it's completely free so you can list your company begin meeting buyers and if you find a buyer great if you don't you can keep on growing it and we see quite a bit of that where startups will list and sometimes it takes a month to get acquired sometimes it takes six months eight months depending on the business but really our goal is just to build the most founder-friendly startup acquisition marketplace in the world we want to put founders put this another way we want to empower founders when they're speaking with buyers so they have confidence they have all the resources available they can hire attorneys they can hire m&a advisors if they are successful in selling their company they can hire a wealth manager if they choose so we're, i'm just trying to think of all like the whole founder journey you know when you get towards an acquisition what services help uh, maximize your exit because you know, as an entrepreneur, you might only sell like one or two companies in your whole life. So our goal is to help founders maximize that without any of the typical headaches you see today. For sure. I guess for, for some people, can you maybe walk through like what are some of the things that you all make make a little bit easier if like from a process flow perspective? Like what would it actually take? Like I think about my days doing investment banking internships and like making these acquisition matrices that we wanted to pitch to our potential clients to acquire things. You all kind of automate that, but on the, the legal flow piece, like how much would you say founders are actually prepared to go through that without something like micro acquiring? Like how has that changed today? Like from a time perspective, you taking it down from like X months of prep to a few weeks of getting it posted or like from the closing process, like, how have you all helped there? Like, how do you think about that? Like, what are you maximizing for in, in actually delivering? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, if you work with an investment bank or broker, you'll probably hit the market in you know months, maybe weeks, usually months. I actually worked with an investment bank to sell business apps. We got offers, but turned them down and then eventually sold after our tail ended. Minimum fee was $800,000, which was kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, and that was one of the reasons I didn't want to sell. I was like, you guys just made some intros. Like, you don't, you don't deserve this. But they, but they did great work. But I was, I was young. I still, I was 26 at the time. I saw gas in the tank. But we, we automate pretty much everything. So if you list on MicroQuire, we can have you up in 12 hours. We create a sim for you on your behalf, which is basically a pitch deck that outlines the opportunity for buyers when looking at your business. And we integrate with tools like Stripe, Chart Mogul, Metrics, uh, QuickBooks, Google Analytics, so buyers can get you know real time view of your actual financial health. Uh, so we just basically are modernizing investment banking to a sense where a lot of the transactions happen you know offline. It's a lot of sort of you know in person meetings. And all of that business is shifting online and we're making it uh, really easy for founders to meet buyers in, in days and high quality buyers too that have embedded by the microquare team instead of going through this lengthy process where number one, it might not work out. Two, it's going to be much more expensive. And three, as a founder, you're super busy running your company. So 
we're, we're trying to address, you know, multiple, multiple things. And then also if you do hire an investment bank or if you do hire a law firm, how do you know which is, which one's a good one? You know, usually, usually how it happens is you have an angel investor and they're like, yeah, I've used them once they're good. So we're releasing a directory full of the best of the best M and A advisors, including legal due diligence, everything you could think of that a founder might need to help them with their acquisition. And the purpose of that is to just bring trust and transparency to a market that is just really fragmented. You know, no one knows. Everyone says they're like, if you go to a broker's website, you'll see something that says like 98% close rate. You want to know how you get a 98% close rate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the kicker. I'm like, <laughs> you all, you, you, you work with salt, like basically like it's, it's layup. So basically you'll only work with businesses that you're 98% common. This business is going to sell. And then you price it down to a point where you're like a hundred percent. It's going to sell. <laughs> so, so we have businesses that list on microquire that will get evaluation from brokers and then they'll list on microquire and sell for sometimes two to three X that price. And then that happens faster, more efficiently. And then they don't have to pay a 15% commission fee. They typically would pay to a broker. And what would, what, if, what is the actual business model for microquire for those who are listening? So the only business model we have today is we just charge buyers access to the platform. So for the, I'm terrible with analogies. <laughs> this is, this is the best one. My team always makes fun of me for this. It's like a Ferrari dealership. So these are high value assets, really good SaaS e-commerce companies, even crypto newsletters, communities, mobile apps, kind of everything. And you can look at the Ferraris, but if you have questions about who's the owner, what is the mileage, you have questions about like, you know, in context of an e-commerce business, how are you growing? Any, any questions you might have for the founder, you have to pay for that access. And that allows you to send a question to the founder to start a conversation. And then the purpose of that and the way that business model kind of came out was you would list a startup on microquire and just get like a hundred requests. And so this helps us separate, you know, serious buyers from people that are just looking around a Ferrari shop. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm uh, building right now and I've been looking at your marketplace. I'm like, a lot of these things are premium. I need to like actually start clicking through and seeing how I can get some access there. So any CRE ones that you got on there, I would love to take a look. Okay. Dope. Outside of that, is there like a, a target type of startup? Because a lot of, a lot of investors and entrepreneurs will hear this and I want to make sure that this can be an inbound channel for you as well. So are there any like specific types of companies, uh, whether it be revenue ranges, we know the types in regards to like SaaS or uh, other types of business models, but anyone who you want to say shout out, please come through <laughs> if they're listening. Yeah, really any startup that has uh, good traction, being profitable is definitely probably the most attractive attribute of any company listing on microquire or growing so not losing a bunch of money and having 20 million vc on your cap table the opposite of that so bootstrap startups are are generally what most buyers are looking for today and what i love most about microquire is you know those sorts of experts were almost non-existent for founders uh, a few years ago and so if you're in that range and it's kind of like a one to let's call it, I'd say, you know, 20, 30 million, 
in terms of enterprise value, you're a perfect fit for microfire. You'll meet buyers in minutes. So we have buyers that can transact in the nine figures, eight figures, seven figures, six, all the way down. We have billionaires in there. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, I would say just bootstrap startups. You know, when you have VCs involved, typically the deals are more complex. You know, your best bet's probably to get aqua hired into somewhere. And if you're bootstrapped, you know, you can walk away with like cash offers and stuff like that. So really just any sort of bootstrap software coming. Dope. Very, very dope. I got some, I got a few thoughts there, but we'll get into it later. Recently though, you've been pretty vocal about your, I don't know the right word. Just you, you aren't the biggest fan of TechCrunch and those types of media aspects. And as a response, you've actually created a more founder-friendly media platform called Bootstrappers, which I'm cool with some people at TechCrunch, but I want to hear your, your opinion. <laughs> and I, I do think that there are some ups and downs to it. And uh, just generally you all being here is really, really good for founders. So please tell us more about Bootstrappers and get more people interested into checking out what you have there and potentially being part of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have beef with TechCrunch. It's, I don't, I don't care what they write. It's just good marketing, you know? <laughs> it just, if I'm being honest, just beef. Mar- and, I, and I just thought it was funny. And I do think some of the stuff they write about is a little ridiculous. Basically, you know, I grew up reading TechCrunch and just all startup media. And this was in like 2010, 2011, 2013. And it was just a different phase of like startup building, like where everyone was like teaching each other how to build a startup. And like my previous company, Business Apps, was featured in TechCrunch a dozen times. Like I was friends like Rip Benson, John Schieber. Schieber's uh, the man. Yeah, Schieber's awesome. Fitz Tepper. But the newer crew just writes, you know, they focus mainly on large venture rounds, pretty much only venture-backed businesses. And I kind of brought that up to one of them. And I just said like, Hey, like, you know, that's like the 1% of startups. What about the other 99%? You know, the, I guess I felt that, you know, startup media was painting an unrealistic view of entrepreneurship and they have the loudest voice. And it's like, you have a responsibility to, you know, encourage people. Like it's, you don't have to build a billion dollar business to be successful as a founder. And then a lot of founders you know, read these stories and they think, okay, if I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to have a startup, these are, this is what everybody does. Like they raise money and then they try and get some press for it. And then they raise some more money. And I just thought it was a toxic message, almost akin to like, you know, vanity fair telling women how to look and stuff like that. It's like, you know, there should be, you know, at least some celebration of founders taking alternative paths that are more realistic. And so, yeah i just basically said hey if no one's going to cover it and like there's thousands of people that i think would enjoy this so i i just thought you know let's make our own blog or actually it's a publication we have four writers we've we've had over 300 founder submissions tens of thousands of people on our newsletter i think it's going to be a, a cornerstone for you know the startup community in a year or two so we're super excited about that i was really blown away by the response but yeah, there's no, there's no beef just, but it's just like, come on. Like we get it. Like XYZ company raised more money or XYZ <laughs> company was acquired for a billion dollars. It's like, okay. Like, I don't care. I want to, I want to hear like 
How did they get started? Like, you know, what was their struggles? Like, what advice do they have for other entrepreneurs? I don't want to read, we raised this much money. What are you going to use the money for? To expand the team. And then some random quote from a VC that just says, we believe this is, you know, it's just like not, I've even had, I could, I could go even deeper, but I've had. Like, you were 100% right. It's like, it's no, big tech or at least a million funding. And then I've, I've even like sent over press releases to TechCrunch. And if I put them through a word match, one of them was at 82. So they took the press release and just basically re, they reworded 18% of it. And I have another one at like 74%. So they're just, re, they're just rewording press releases for, they're just a PR, a VC PR agency and, and VCs even started agreeing with it. And I'm like, yeah, like this is, this is, this is not entrepreneurship and this is not the reality of startups. Someone needs to take other, some people love reading that stuff and that's awesome, but not me. And so instead of complaining about it, I just did something about it said, Hey, I'm going to start the blog that I want to read the blog that I want to wake up every morning reading that inspires me and I hope other people enjoy it too. And uh, that was kind of the thought process behind it. So yeah. Till today, I, I've never in my life thought about who's reading TechCrunch. Like to me, it's like the ultimate place for venture capitalists to go and know what everyone else is investing in and like know what big companies may or may not be doing strategically, which might fit in your portfolio. I don't actually think that the average entrepreneur should be reading that as much in its current state no it's like mcdonald's it's bad for you man i'll just make you feel like shit you know you're like fuck <laughs> i didn't raise 100 million today and then my competitor did like don't read that shit like also yeah, to be very clear man like most people who are millionaires aren't becoming millionaires from venture-backed companies no like, there's not. so many service businesses smbs chains of restaurants convenience store etc owners who are doing very, very well for themselves. See, this is another thing too, is I actually, I don't know one founder who's exited from a VC-backed business. They've all been bootstrapped or they've all been cash flowed. I do know a lot of founders who've been running whatever their valuation is for like a decade and they're stuck in there. And that's where I kind of like try to explain, like, you know, if you you know, raise a bunch of money, like, you know, the, if you miss those expectations, this is kind of my beef with venture capital, not, not, not beef, just the, the message I want to get out to, to entrepreneurs is it's easy to raise um, venture capital, but then you have like a day or two where you're super excited. And then you're like, Hey, now you have to actually build the business. And if you fall short of those really massive expectations and you still do a good job, for example, let's say you raise, you know, $20 million, which you sell for 25 or something like that. You, your founding team and your employees will get pretty much next to nothing because you have liquidation preferences. So 20 million goes back to investors first, plus the equity ownership they have in the business. So like, you know, just know what you're signing up for. Like, <laughs> and then I just, I, I guess another wow. thing I, I think is interesting is with so many companies being funded with the expectations of them being not like back in the day, like we kind of thought the roof was like a hundred million. That like, that was it. Like, can this be, how does this become a hundred million dollar company? Cause I did the rounds for business apps when we were thinking about raising money, we even got like close to a term sheet, but I said, I don't, I don't know what we do with the money. We're so profitable, but like, you're basically asking. So the bar is a multi, a decabillion dollar company. So that means, you know, 10 billion or more. 
And you're asking these entrepreneurs like, hey, I know this is your first try, but I want you to climb Mount Everest with flawless execution. And you got to do it as fast as possible. You got to like beat the record. Like, so I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, big winners, of course, you know, just by the law of numbers. But unfortunately, I think, you know, when we dive deeper into what entrepreneurs really want is they'd be perfectly fine with like a $10 million exit or like a 20, $1 million exit. And that's, you know, where kind of micro ties in as well as, you know, those are the exit that's that we want to support and we want to encourage because there's no difference in your life between, you know, a hundred million dollar exit and like an all cash, like $20 million exit. Like you buy a bigger house, I guess, or you a faster car doesn't make you happier. Um, so that's 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 kind of like the narrative and the message that I want to get get across to entrepreneurs is there is another route. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Half of the people that you know are kind of, I guess you would call the you know the, like the some of the most influential people in tech right now, like TechCrunch being a good example, is distorting the reality of what entrepreneurship really is and like what statistics like. Their base, every article basically should say like, hey, this company has a 1% chance of succeeding. They just sold 30% of their company and the founders are now locked in. They're scared shitless. It's scary. Like it's you know, like scary. blue labels. They're like, this may cause cancer. Like this may cause incredible levels of anxiety. So like a failure, even if you become a $300 million company may get you kicked out of your company if investors aren't satisfied with what you're doing yeah like you know it's it's just not inspire it's just it's it's not inspiring you know it doesn't make me want to start a company and that's where i kind of pointed out and some of the reporters reach out they're like hey what's the beef i'm like oh you know this is good beef and they're like i know so we're all good there true well again shout out to sheber yo let's talk about flywheels and how their flywheels between bootstrappers and microacquire. Clay, I know you had some some interesting thoughts in here if you want to chime in, but uh, yeah, let's dive into it. Yeah, we can kind of riff on this, but Andrew, I think the content strategy there that you're taking, it's really similar to how we're thinking about it ourselves, where it kind of solves two purposes for us. Like we're able to better engage our community while also promoting their work to an audience of relevant people. It sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with, with bootstrappers as well. And just kind of solving for a lot of their distribution through your own media channel now, but would love to hear just how you're thinking about continuing to improve that and build flywheels off of that. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I think I would call it less a flywheel. I'm trying to rewrite the rules. Like I'm trying to rewrite basically, you know, how entrepreneurs think about building startups you know again the narrative right now is raise a ton of money it's super easy go after a billion dollar outcome and that's not the narrative that's being told that i think a lot of entrepreneurs need to hear um because again it's more realistic like and i think it can help a lot of people and so instead of like thinking of it as a flywheel i think of it as you know how can i build something bigger than TechCrunch? like how can i how can i build a voice bigger than that so i can educate entrepreneurs like you know you can go this route it's awesome for a lot of people like nothing against vc like you know all good but there's this other route have you ever considered it you know you can raise you can bootstrap for 
10 years and raise money. Like you can, you don't have to like make these like life changing. You can't undo these decisions and then just bring exposure to, you know, this whole new route of entrepreneurship that has kind of always existed, but no one talks about. So that's how I think is how to become bigger than the gatekeepers. Cause right now, you know, you have gatekeepers across how to get capital. You have gatekeepers at, you know, media, you have gatekeepers when you go to try and sell your company. So when it's all said and done with MicroCore, like my only goal is to just help founders succeed. Like I want to go out as a guy who's like, damn, that guy just made it super easy for me to build like a $50 million company. Cause that's what I really want to do. I don't want to build like a $5 billion, you know, company and manage a thousand employees. You know, I just want like a great lifestyle business. I mean, if you're at like 50 million, it's like you're pretty, pretty I was pretty stressed out of business apps. We, we didn't get to 50, but does that kind of make sense? Like, that's how I think about things is, you know, with, with the whole startup community, you know, really embracing and celebrating, you know, one thing being like fundraises and these massive acquisitions. I'm like, you know what, what about everyone else who's just kind of like, okay, with building like a niche SaaS business or like a niche e-commerce business? Um, like that stuff I'd, I'd, you know, that's, that's like the advice I'd give to my sister or like my family members, like go down this path. It's like, it's much uh, more realistic and I think you'll enjoy it more. So I guess I'm trying to rewrite the rules and just make it cool to do that. Like make it cool to, I want people to think, okay, you sold your company for to Adobe for 2 billion, but damn, like, do you hear about that guy who sold or that girl who sold her company for $20 million cash? 20 million cash and bootstrap the whole thing. You hear that story? That's where I want the narrative shift. So I think, I think a little bit differently in terms of how do we shift the narrative and how do we make more realistic outcomes cool instead of all the other outcomes that we hear about? No, I totally agree. One, a lot of baller quotes in there as well. I'm like taking notes in the background. I feel like you just dropped <laughs> some fire that we're going to have to feature. Send me the, send me the transcript. I'll put them yeah. up there. Yeah, I think y'all two will be best friends. Like you, 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 sound, <laughs> you really have such a similar energy around this kind of stuff. But I, I actually think it's another flywheel here is that you're creating a mechanism in which like, if I'm an entrepreneur, I can make a playbook. Like I can make a marketplace type business, have that same tech, the same tech background or back end, do that across seven different verticals, get them to a certain scale and then push them across. Right. Like, each one of them I sell for three, five, $10 million. And like, that could be like an evolved version of the gig economy for some people. If you're a really great coder, cause I'm looking on the, on the website and I'll see like people with teams of like three or four and like the selling price is $4 million to code. Those things may not take that long. And once you have an engine for growth or like, you really understand that, like you can make a repeatable process. So what you might end up having is like a marketplace like in a year or two from now, if it's not already happening right now, where people are just spitting these things up as much as they can, if they have a quality formula. And oh yeah. Uh, we, yeah we, we have tons of repeat sellers, tons and tons of repeat buyers. Yeah. They love, they love selling to the same people because they trust them, you know? Yeah. I see this as an evolved, like upwork in some ways. Like I want to just put out an RFP. Like I'm looking for this kind of software thing. Someone probably has built three things that I needed to slap that together. Yeah, like, of I course, mean, there's integration fear and like all these other things, but yeah, have you, have you been able to capture like how many 
Because like you're creating sellers and giving those founders life-changing money. Have you captured how many of those then become buyers? Because then that's like the, the revenue source for you all as well. I don't know if that's like too tough to capture, but. Yeah, well, I mean, candidly, five months ago, so we, we raised $6 million for Microfire. Before that, it was just me running the whole business for like a year. Every newsletter I wrote, I like cleaned up every listing. I answered every customer support question. I answered every live chat thing. I did everything on Twitter. I did like, like, I like, I wanted this to exist so bad. I like literally almost died, like, of just 4 a.m. to like midnight working. And I kind of have this like tweet where I write, like, you know, start like a simple business first, like a service based business, and then bootstrap an asset you can sell and then swing for the fences. So I'm, I'm swinging, I'm swinging on this one because I think the market opportunity needs it or supports it. But yeah, we have that data, but it's in my team's hands, not mine. Yeah. As soon as I hired back my own VP of engineering, VP of product, COO, creative director, head of marketing, I hired back pretty much everyone that was on my team from business staffs when we were required. And we're, we're just having a blast. Like I, I got, I got the, the dream team. Like Mike, Michael Jordan dream team I'm going to the Olympics right now. Every, we all get along great. We're all having a blast. You know, when we help founders sell, like it's, it's rewarding. We're like paying off debt. We're paying for like weddings. We're paying for houses. Like, you know, we're really making an impact. And, and to me, that feels good. That's, you know, that's our goal. And that sounds like, like, you know, like a cheese sandwich and it might be, but that's, that's kind of what gets us fired up. Dude, you gotta, you all have to do a thing with your podcast. So every person that sells on MicroWire talks about how it changes their life and the process and all these types of things. I mean, bootstrappers can do a lot of that. I, so go to our YouTube channel. We ha I have like 10 so far, but I, I try to respect everyone's privacy because I don't know. Like the, so the 10 I do have, or I have like 12 recorded podcasts that people have bought or sold. And it's always like, like we just kind of conversate and I'm like, what well, do you want to like share the story? And they're like, yeah, but like we, we see probably an acquisition a day. So we could, I could be reaching out to a lot of people, but when you do get acquired on microquire, you don't hear from us. Like, I don't know what you bought. I don't need to know. Happy for you from afar. I know your email. Like we, we might on. no, seriously. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you I know, love the chillness uh, on me, man. Yeah, well, we, 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 we might start sending out like these cool trophies that like I, I like slam my finger at on my my new car door. Um, I thought you were doing the black fingernail polish thing. No, I know that, that that's why I had to say something like, no, I'm not like a, a death metal fan or anything like that. No, I, I got a new car and day one uh slammed it on and I'm like I literally had like a conversation with the car. I was like, really, bro? Like we just met. <laughs> like really day one. But that's anyways. Tough, man. We might send out these trophies that have like the horns for fun to everyone who gets acquired. Oh, that'd, be we'll dope. that'd be very dope. And then just ask them to submit pictures or something like that. Yeah. That'd be sick. I am curious as to if you've thought of one, just taking like point zero, like 0.1% of the transactions. Yeah. So, so we are, we're going to, so to, to start, I'll tell you what's kind of coming up next with microquare. So it's always going to be free to sell a microquare 100%. Like we're never taking that away because that is a gift to founders. And I am humbled that we have pulled that off. 
but what we're going to be doing is releasing this directory. So if you're selling a company for like 10, $20 million, typically you can go and hire a broker to help you sell that business, but at rates of like, you know, 10 to 15%. And we're basically bringing all of those people consolidating everybody into our marketplace. So you can, you can see reviews, ratings, let's say like in business apps, case, we, we sold to small businesses. So maybe talking to GoDaddy or JG Global or Endurance International or something like that makes sense. Or my business is growing. And I, don't, I don't know how to negotiate, what value it. I don't know. So you can hire these people and you can hire them at a lower rate. Let's call it like 5% instead of 15. And then you can see reviews from other entrepreneurs. So you truly know who's good and who's, you know, maybe someone specializes in e-commerce, someone specializes in mobile app, whatever it may be. And then we're going to take a referral off of the commission of those um, deals. And that's going to be out next month. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, we the way that we came to that was we were like, how can, because we want to help larger startups sell. And I candidly recommend if you're dealing with like life-changing money, like this is going to change your life and you're going to be like, holy crap, what happened? I mean, all acquisitions are like that. But we, we just asked ourselves a question. We said, how can we close a thousand acquisitions a month? And, th- and then we thought maybe we can hire some you know, people in-house to facilitate. And then we came up with this directory model where we're consolidating the industry and bringing trust and transparency. So you know who the best bank is, you know who the best attorney is for your particular startup. And then you can hire them inside of MicroQuire for them to handle negotiations, you know, drafted the legal docs and end on one platform. It's going to be sick. Like I'm, I'm like really so right now it's all done. We're just onboarding and advisors. So by the time you guys release this, so it'll probably be out and there'll be a bunch of advisors in there. Fire. How much does it cost to, to join again? As a premium buyer? Yeah. $2.90 a year. And I may just like every founder, I just woke up one day and just made that pricing up and been there ever <laughs> since. Much? There's $2.90 a year. It should probably be higher because we sell to a lot of private equity firms. Some private equity firms have like 20 plus licenses. Like they're just it's in there. $2.99 like, a year. Yeah. Um, I'm about to, I'm about to lock in that price. Like right after. Oh yeah. This. That's reasonable. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. My, my COO is like, we got to raise this. And I'm like, well, it's working. I don't know. Let's talk about the other stuff we want to do first. Cause I, I, I like it in that range. Cause I mean, we verify every profile. So if you sign up and you have, you don't have like, like a working LinkedIn profile and we don't know who you are refund. Sorry, please come back when we can identify that you're a real human. Um, and we have a lot of like mechanisms. You can't message more than a certain amount of startups in a day. Like we, we monitor a bunch of stuff to make sure that the marketplace is, you know, very, very high quality and trust. But uh, again, our main goal is to get startups acquired. Like that's not the business model. We're, we're making a bet on the directory to really be the business model. Well, yo, you say you have a hard stop at 45, no? I could probably go five. I got another call at two. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, with that, how about we, one, thank you for making a big impact in our community. Clay, me and you should build another company and then sell it on MicroFire real soon. And I'll help two, you guys out. I'll, I'll give you, I'll roll the red carpet for you guys. Dude, tell us what's in demand, like what's selling. And then we'll just build that. Shopify SaaS is pretty hot. There's Shopify SaaS. Yeah, Shopify SaaS. There's a few PE groups that specifically focus on that e-commerce i I just it's it's bonkers everything there's groups for mobile apps only 
Amazon MBA businesses. Like I, we sold like a Instagram account full of dog pictures with 5 million followers. <laughs> like, what? yeah, I thought it was, I just thought it was funny. So I listed it because every listing is manually approved by my team. And they were like, should we list this Andrew? And I was like, sounds kind of fun i want to see what happened and it sold it in 24 hours um, how much we don't know we're not involved in the transaction so but you can't see how much they sell for no happens on platform dude you gotta have a number of like how much has been spent well how much how much has changed how much like life-changing money has been distributed something like that like yeah away. yeah well we so you can have open offers or you can have an asking price so we can take, we, we just started implementing tools so we can collect that data. We, we have like an idea, but that one was open offers and then gone within 24. And I never talked to the seller. So I don't, I don't know. I know about it though. Hmm. He reached out. He was like, Hey, I, 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 cause I posted on Twitter. I was like, Hey, this uh, Instagram account with a bunch of dog pictures came in and I listed it. And everyone was like, yeah. Then I got my DMs blew up and I was like, all right, it's listed. here it is. I mean, I, mean, I have it's a portfolio company that would have loved to buy that page. Yeah. I mean, if you own like a pet e-commerce company, I'm sure it's great purchase. Five, yeah. five million followers. I was like, I want to just change that to my personal account. Everyone thinks I'm cool. True. True that. Well, we've already thanked you. How about we give you a chance to ask us one question? And then from there, we'll do a, a rapid fire round, which is like less than 30 second questions and answers. All right. Sounds good. Least favorite sports team? Jets. Mm, funny fact. You know, I said I, I grew up in uh, San Clemente. Yeah. Sam Darnold. We went to high school together. No way, dude. I'm a Panthers fan. That's our guy now. Oh, no way. I don't know. Yeah, like, he's been tearing it up. Yeah, I could probably get a call in with him through like one friend i mean not actually not really but he's like four years younger than me but i got a bunch of buddies at him and stuff he's, he's a great is guy he a buyer, micro uh, on micro acquire no he's not i think oh, yeah. I, I think he's busy playing football yeah off season <laughs> next off season you should hit him up if if i if i see him on micro acquire I'll, I'll hit you up be like yo maybe drop him from your fantasy team he's building yeah. a portfolio <laughs> 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 Yeah, for, for me, I'd say the Cubs. I have literally no reason why other than I'm from Chicago and I'm a South Sider, not a North Sider. I've actually, I've stood on Wrigley Field. I've stood on it. Mm. We were we were just walking by um, in Chicago with my parents and they just had the, it was just like a no game day. Yeah. And they were they were just kind of, I don't know, doing something with the ground. I don't know. What are lawn mowing? I don't know. And we just said, hey, can we stand on? And this is when like Sammy Sosa was just blasting bombs and doing steroids and all that cool stuff. Yeah. Those are the days I wish they'd bring it back. We actually got to like walk around the whole field. It was kind of cool. Like this is where Sammy Sosa. That's true. That is dope. Yo, Clay. All right. Yeah, let's, let's run through these quick fire. So Andrew, we got these five at the, at the end here. Meant to be answered in two sentences or less. First foot. Wow. Stumbling over words. First question we got is what is a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice? Buying a small business, like buying a laundromat and then hiring like an operator to like running a small business has got to be the hardest thing ever. And when you buy it, you got to take out a huge loan. Um, I think that's terrible advice. Uh, that's just me. I, the last thing I ever want to do is run a laundromat. Yeah. 
Dude, I, I, I kind of want to hear the opposite now. Like, what should you do instead? Yeah, I, I follow your passion. I'm, I, you know, that's kind of a combat answer, but I think I'm a firm believer. If you don't love what you're doing, there's someone else that does, and they're gonna kick your ass. Hundred percent. In the last year, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your life? Probably drinking more water and like really focusing on sleep. A lot more. Oh, oh, I can give you some actual advice. Put your phone in another room when you go to bed. That has been game changing for me. I sleep better. And then also don't check your emails until like you've woken up and stuff like that. You know, it's so easy to like rush to your computer. Like what I miss, especially if you're running a company, but like start your day off chill. Like, you know, whatever is in your inbox and wait another 30 minutes. So I'd say that I picked up that habit. And then, it, oh, if you have trouble waking up, stick your phone in another room, put the alarm up on high, and you'll you'll get up. <laughs> I try yeah. to do that. Like, I try to put it away from me, but it's still in my room. Yeah. I have you a lot got, of days where you, I, like, just pit snooze. Put the, put the charger by, you know, your coffee machine. And when it goes off, you, you got to get up because you got other people in your house or something like that. It's making everyone awake. That, that's That's one thing. Yeah. Let's see. These next two questions are geared more towards venture investors. So I'm just going to combine them. So best piece of advice for somebody starting out their career. If you're early in your career, swing, swing, shoot your shot. Like when I was 21, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Not get a fucking job. Fuck that. I was like, no, that's just (laughs) not for me. That's just a trap. I was like, it's just a trap. Like you get some shit job. You got to suck up to someone you don't like. And then next thing you get another shit promotion. Now you got to suck up to someone else. You don't, it's a trap. Fucking avoid it. Realize it's a trap and like hustle and like try and start a company young. Cause as you get older, you have kids, you have a house, you have responsibilities, but when you're young, you don't. So basically fuck jobs. Your perspective is so refreshing. We need to talk more offline. All right. Last one here. Who's a mentor of yours that you want to give credit to? Christian Breland. <laughs> Christian Breland. Um, changed my life so that dude okay so this dude would smoke e-cigs in our board meetings take <laughs> off his shoes he swears like he's fucking ari gold and he bootstrapped a, a business called build.com to three billion in gmb and then sold it he's a fucking gangster now he owns a hotel in costa rica or no not costa rica puerto rico and he makes fun of me all the time. He, I used to have glasses and then I got LASIK and he'd always like take, he, Ty Lopez is in Puerto Rico now. And he'd be like, Hey, Ty Lopez is here. Should I go up and be like, are you, are you Andrew Gazdecki? But <laughs> he, he was my first investor in business apps. And one of the just most brilliant, amazing human being, he changed my life. And I got to give a shout out to Peter Strauss, who was helpful when I was launching business apps in college. And then Probably my CEO coached Tim Porthouse too. He he just knows me down to like the core. I'm like, I'm pissed about this. And he's like, no, you're not. You're pissed about that. And I'm like, you're right. Oh, shit. He like mind fucks me all the time. But yeah. Christian Friedland, top. Dude, I'm creeping on him right now. Like I, I, did a, I, I did a podcast with him. If you just Gazdecki Friedland. He's funny as hell. We had like a funny conversation. Yo, we should link that. This is a ton of fun. Let's do let's do V2 like in a in a few months or something. Dude, 100%. We'll keep shouting you guys out to everybody we meet. All right, man. I appreciate you guys. All right, All later. Right. Cheers.
huge thanks again to Andrew for coming on this week. We hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with him, we've linked his social info in the description below. And you should also check out MicroAcquire if you're looking for some additional deal flow or just check out some interesting companies that are looking to sell. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted your info to become a member yet, you can do that through our website at www.confluence.vc. And also, if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter, we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles. You can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com. Hope that helps. Hope to hear from you all soon.